To this day, patients seeking medical advice for their vulvar concerns are often met with hesitation, discomfort, or a complete lack of potentially life-saving knowledge from their physicians. Unless women's sexual health is prioritized, patients are left with pain, emotional trauma, and the threat of life-altering conditions as our healthcare system continues to leave them behind. Welcome to Mind the Health Gap, a podcast from Women's College Hospital Foundation that brings together experts across all disciplines of care to discuss the gender gaps that exist in our healthcare system. Ranging from gaps in gender-specific research to information to care, which all have an impact on the health and lives of women. My name is Jennifer Bernard, and I will be your host today. On today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Amanda Selk to discuss how our healthcare system and providers tend to the vulva and women's sexual health, and how we can build a system that pays better care and attention to women's health. Dr. Selk is a physician in the Department of Gynecology at Women's College Hospital, the president of the Society of Canadian Colposcopists, and the president of the North American branch of the International Society for the Study of Vulvovaginal Disease and a fierce advocate for women's sexual health rights. Hello, Dr. Salk. So, so thrilled to have you here with us today. We're going to go into an area that a lot of people don't talk about and is still a bit tabooed, despite the fact that 51% of the population identifies as women. And you would think that we think and talk about these subjects all the time. We're talking today about vulva vaginal health. And so, first of all, I want to establish that, like all areas in women's health, this area is underfunded, under researched. And I would say, misunderstood because I'm hoping you can dispel some of those unders. And I want to help our audience understand why it's so important that women understand the vulva vaginal health and reproductive and sexual health tied to it. So let's start off with a few definitions, because when we were talking before, I realized not everybody even is identifying their vagina properly. So let's talk about that. Give us some definitions. So that vulva is the outside genital skin in women, and the vagina is the inside part. Okay. And so one of the things that we found when we were looking at the research in this area is that an international study found that 79% of vulva vaginal disease experts receive training in the vulva vaginal disorders through self-teaching. Can you talk a little bit about why this area is kind of neglected, even in medical school. Yeah, it's totally true that most experts in the world are self-trained. So anyone can learn about the vulva, both doctors and patients, right? So your family doctor can be one of the top five complaints they see, and they can go to courses and learn, but they don't get a lot because they're trying to learn so much at once. Right. In gynecology, there's a lot of focus on surgery and learning how to deliver babies and less on clinics, even though that's most of your life. And again, there's just so much to learn. So it doesn't always take a high priority. Uh-huh. And then in dermatology, the entire body is covered in skin, but a lot of them are uncomfortable in the genital area. So 
I feel that vulva sort of sits in no man's land in training and it sort of doesn't fit into any field altogether. So gynecologists look at the vulva, but they don't learn a lot about skin problems and then dermatologists don't look. So actually family doctors can be one of the top people that can help if they get more comfortable learning about it. And in terms of family doctors being the first gateway, but there's also, you know, specialists and fellowships. And from what I'm reading is that there's not a lot of uptake on that as well. So this area tends to be kind of orphaned. There aren't a lot of family doctors who are comfortable and trained. And then even if you get past the gauntlet of your family doctor, there don't seem to be a lot of people who are specialized in this area. And so tell us some of the outcomes of, you know, women one, not knowing about their own bodies, and two, not having this sort of expertise around it. Some of the things you said are very important, that there's long wait lists to specialists, that you may see somebody who's not comfortable and then be bounced around from place to place (laughs) and really not know. So I think some of the very important things that patients can do to access care is start learning about their own bodies. So taking a look, as we said, we learn the names. Now you got to learn what you look like. Right. So I always joke half of people will be lookers and half aren't lookers. (laughs) But, you know, it's really important that you look at your face every day. You know, you don't have to look at your vulva every day, but, you know, we're all different. We have different hair colors, different skin types. Vulvas are all different. They come in different shapes and sizes. And, you know, what you see online may not be what you look like. So if you get to know what you look like, then you're better able to identify if something changes, like if there's a color change, a texture change, a new lesion, something that's worrisome. The same way you would notice if you got, you know, all of a sudden a a concerning mole on your arm, right? You see it. So this way, if all of a sudden you get something, you're like, oh, I haven't seen that before. Is it changing? Is it hurting? Is it bleeding? I need to see somebody about it. And it's not something I would say most women even talk about. And I often joke on my drive in, I always hear commercials around erectile dysfunction and all the things that you can do for that. I've never, ever heard anything said, whether, you know, in an ad or any other space about women's, you know, sexual health or vaginal health or their vulva. And it seems like there's this huge disparity between what men talk about in terms of their sexual health and understanding their bodies and what women feel comfortable and society feels comfortable talking about around women. Would you agree? This is 100% a cultural societal issue. You know, it's okay for men to talk about sex and to talk about their body parts and women. There's all this shame They don't talk about names. As you say, you don't hear ads in the car. (laughs) You know, I think it's so important in school with your children, again, teaching them that it's okay. These are not dirty places. They're just part of your body like everything else. Right. Right. Looking, knowing, checking it out, all of these things. It's why women suffer. I don't understand. Like we know that there's all through the lifespan. There's times when women have issues with dryness, with itching, with menopause, with you know, sexual health concerns, and they're embarrassed, and they don't want to seek care. And I think it's very important that people identify what's important to their own quality of life. And you shouldn't be embarrassed to talk to your doctor. They might be worried about bringing it up the same way you're worried about bringing it up. But the more we get these conversations started, the better care we can get for ourselves. You've already identified as a pivotal role in the care and education that needs to happen. 
And you've also said something that, you know, I think a lot of people would be surprised about. Even the family doctors are a little bit nervous about talking about this and, you know, often not even wanting to, as you have said, go down there when they, you know, a new patient or by themselves in a room. So how can we as women, when we're with our family doctors, you know, make them comfortable? So is it first saying, I really do want some support and help in this area. I need you to support me by doing a proper exam. So can you give people some sort of helpful advice on, you know, what do we say when we go into the doctor's office? I think it's very important if you have a vulvovaginal concern that you have an exam. (laughs) Virtual care is exciting, but I don't think virtual vulva works very well. I, I, (laughs) I always say, say no to virtual vulva. So there have been studies about telephone calls and yeast infections where people thought they had a yeast infection. And then actually, if you see them and swab them, most of the time, that's not true. So there's a good example where people are misdiagnosed. So, you know, missing one yeast infection one time is not the end of the world. So I think it's okay if you think you have a yeast infection to be treated once. But if your symptoms don't go away, you 100% need somebody to see you, look at you, test and make sure we're not missing something else, a skin condition, a different infection, a cancer, a precancer. Like there's so many things it could be, right? So if you have any new concern, like I said, itch, pain, dryness, lesion, burning, pain with sex, you need to talk about it with your physician or your nurse practitioner, and then you need an exam and whatever tests they deem appropriate. And if they don't know, they need to refer you on. So I think you've touched on so many important points. One, don't self-diagnose yourself just because you're embarrassed to go in and ask because you could overlook something far more significant and harmful. Two, I think the fact that it can be done in the doctor's office and the doctor can do the swab and you can get your results back and you can get your treatment right away. But I think we've touched on this uh, before. You know, one of the things that we are always talking about is prevention. And I'm sure there are cancers and things that, you know, can do you great harm that start out quite small in the vulva and then can evolve into something that is, you know, really, really uh, devastating. Can you talk about what it looks like if you escalate, like you ignore and don't pay attention to this area and think it's just going to go away? So that's a very important point. So vulvar cancers do exist. And although they're not super common, (laughs) we still have many people that get them every year in Canada, and they often present in quite late stages. And that is from two reasons that we think. One is patient embarrassment. They don't want to show anybody. You know, you ignore it and hope it will go away. And then again, providers not always looking. And because they don't look, they don't understand what's normal either. You need to look all the time. I just gave a big course a few weeks ago, and that was exactly one of the main points take home for people was that you need to look. You don't just do a pap and look for the cervix. You actually need to look at the skin. And if you look at it all the time, you start recognizing, oh, this is a little bit unusual. Uh And then you may ask a patient about the symptoms. And for the patients, they need to say, this is new this is hurting, this is getting worse. So if you get a cut that won't heal, something sore or hard that's not going away, any melanomas or skin cancers um, that are very aggressive, you can actually get them on the vulva too. 
And so if you ever have a, a colored lesion, a pigmented thing, something like black that is asymmetric, has an irregular border, more than one color, or is bigger than the end of your pencil, you need to see a doctor. And that can be any part of your body, but also your vulva. Wow. I don't think a lot of people would associate melanoma with your vulva or that part of your body. I think that advice is going to come in handy to a lot of people. Not all melanomas are from sun and it's they're actually the second most common vulvar cancer. Wow. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about as you age, because I think that just like everything on our bodies, you know, our vulva or vagina, everything changes as you age. Can you talk about the impact of, you know, some of the hormonal changes and just aging generally and what people should maybe be keeping in mind as they age? So once you go through menopause, you lose your estrogen, which is an important hormone. It makes all the skin in your body drier and more sensitive. So a lot of people notice that, like they notice as they age that their skin is drier. So again, remembering that the vulva is also skin. It's like people always moisturize their face, but they don't think about their vulva. And I'm like, why don't you moisturize your face? (laughs) The same way people are often aggressive cleaners of the vulva because they think it's dirty and it's bad. And like, it's not, you know, you eat every day. I said, look, most people don't scrub their lips really hard. So you tell them the same thing. You don't scrub your vulva really hard. Think of it as the same type of tissue and treat it nicely and, you know, be kind to your skin. So you get way more skin sensitivities. So you can start reacting to all kinds of things that you were never had problem before, but now all of a sudden you get itchy or burny when you react to products and things. You need to be careful with your skin. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that as everything is drier, the inside, the vagina becomes less elastic. So there's very safe treatments with vaginal hormone replacement. And we know that this is also a problem as women get older, the more years you have lack of estrogen, the drier and less elastic it gets. So it's a progressive thing. Right. And again, if you want to use your vagina, then it helps to treat it. And people are so scared of hormones, but there's a lot of safety for vaginal treatments. And again, people don't ask, people don't get offered. And then there's all the urinary symptoms, like you can have an increase in needing to pee all the time and it can burn. So it doesn't sound very fun, does it? (laughs) Not at all. I have to tell you, the proliferation of, you know, the things to uh, support women with, uh, you know, urine uh, problems, leakage, just amazes me. I go down the aisles now and I think, when did all this stuff, you know, become normalized? Why aren't we looking at how to treat women and make sure that they don't end up in that aisle? And that's one of my big frustrations. I know lots of people who are in their 40s and 50s who are already dealing with that. Right. And then again, as you age and these problems become more common, you shouldn't accept them as normal. Like they are still things that can be treated. It's not normal aging is miserable. We have lots of options and you may spend half your life in menopause. So we have hormonal treatments. We have incontinence treatments like we have things because, again, if you don't, you know, urine can irritate the skin. Pads can irritate the skin. So you can get a skin problem. Diabetes is increasing and diabetics can get yeast infections. And then like you can have like three or four different things. And then you get it's this layer. And then you get more and more complicated. And that's where people like me come in, because once you have three or four problems, you get really hard (laughs) to take care of. And that's where the subspecialists, you know, who've done all that extra training that we often had to find ourselves. That's where that's where you may need an extra person. 
But before that, I think, you know, you don't let it get to that point. You start having symptoms, you got to start talking about it and advocating for yourself so that you're not, you know, itching, burning, can't sit for years and years at a time. So Dr. Salk, you know, we're all aging and, you know, we have to take into account even our vulva uh, health, you know, is impacted by aging. Can you talk a little bit about what happens as women age and what they should be aware of in terms of both what happens and, you know, what can be done about it? I think this is such an important area. You may spend half of your life in menopause as people live longer and longer. So as we age, our estrogen goes away after menopause and becomes really low. And estrogen is important for all of your skin. And as you become low estrogen, your skin becomes very dry. So people will notice that they need to moisturize and they think about moisturizing all of their body and then they forget about the vulva and the vulva is skin too. And it will be drier just from that low estrogen. Estrogen is important for the elasticity of the vagina. So how stretchy it is. So again, it becomes over time and it's a progressive thing. The more years you're post-menopause, if you don't go on any estrogen replacement, the skin in the vagina gets thinner and drier. Mm. So if you decide to use your vagina, it's very uncomfortable. So this is a, people have huge fears about estrogen replacement, but localized treatment to the vagina is actually very, very, very safe and doesn't have the same risks as systemic estrogen, like the pills and the patches and things. So it's super important that you seek advice from your healthcare provider if, you know, your sexual health is important to you. Or another area is the bladder. So you're, as that tissue also thins out, people have to pee more often. It can burn. You can leak urine. All the, doesn't it sound like so much fun? So I feel like I'm painting a terrible picture, but life, you know, if you're going to spend half your life in menopause, quality of life is very, very important. And we don't need to live with these things. There are treatments for, and, but the thing is that people think, oh, I'm getting older. You know, this is normal aging, but I, again, Sure, some of it is normal, but we have treatments and that doesn't mean you need to suffer, Mm. right? So again, if you don't bring it up, people don't always ask you. So I think that women can be their best own health advocates. So if they're having an issue, you know, sex is important. They're leaking urine. They have to pee all the time. They need to bring it up. And, you know, what treatments can I have? What would work for me? And have those conversations so that you have a happier, healthier time. I love that advice. You know, I think the tolerating the discomfort, tolerating the poor quality of life is, you know, sort of a mindset that many women have as they age. They expect it to be unpleasant and difficult and they sort of accept all these cascading things going wrong. And you're right. It could be, you know, 30, 40, up to 50 years. We have 10,000 centarians in Canada now over. Most of them are women. We are we're living into our 80s and 90s easily. And from what you're saying is, you know, with safe hormone replacement, understanding something as simple as moisturizing, you could alleviate so much of the discomfort and really enjoy what we all hope to do is age, age and and live well. Where can people continue this journey of getting advice? I know you're very active in educating, you do conferences, you're trying to recruit as many and train as many family docs as possible to lighten the load. As you've told me, uh, you don't need more patients. What you need is more people to see more patients. So 
Talk to us a little bit about some of the websites or other resources that people can go to to get some more information and keep educating themselves, increase their literacy in this area. So I think there's both good and bad information on the internet and in books. So some places that I think you can find accurate, good information. <laughs> so the International Society for the Study of Vulvovaginal Disease, there's a mouthful, issvd.org. So we have patient handouts there that are very good. GynEQI, G-Y-N-E-Q-I.com has patient handouts. <laughs> There's a book called The Menopause Manifesto that came out a few years ago by a Canadian gynecologist, Jen Gunter, who lives in California. That's probably the best book that was all over in all the bookstores and Shoppers Drug Mart and all kinds of places. So it was easy to access. As you said, I, I spent a lot of time educating other clinicians, gynecologists, dermatologists, family doctors, anybody who wants to learn can learn this. So a lot of conferences are aimed at doctors. But one way I was thinking about educating people was by audio like this. So I made an educational podcast called The Vulva Diaries that is just, again, for clinicians to be educated. But I've many patients tell me that they've learned so many things from it and that it's empowered them to be able to, again, advocate for their own care. So even if it wasn't designed for patients, they're short 15 minutes interviews with experts just like this. And, you know, again, the more you know, the more you're empowered. And I think we all need to learn about ourselves so that we can have better health and better quality of life. Wow, that's fantastic. So we all need to increase our own personal literacy. We have to advocate for ourselves when we go into our doctor's office. We have to tell them they have to increase their literacy because this is something that's not just relevant to their practice. It's absolutely necessary. And I think that people have to be courageous. And as you say, look, <laughs> look often and be kind to their vulvas as, so that we can have the kind of long-term health that we need and deserve. So Dr. Salk, this is a really important point. You know, I think it comes up again and again in women's health is that, you know, we have these like siloed times in our life that we talk about, you know, pre-menstruation and then there are the baby years and then you're old. But this is actually something that we should be talking about our entire lives, the full arc of our lives. Our vulva health, you know, encompasses from the time we're born right to the end. So talk a little bit about that piece and how we need to not just talk about things while we're pregnant or in that part of our life. Right. So I always think that women's health in general never gets the attention it deserves. Right. Like overall, you know, when people think of women's health, a lot of it's about having a baby or breast cancer, like there's like specific things that people identify with, but a lot of it's having your baby, sometimes period problems, but even they are also taboo things. Right. You know, gynae surgery is often has longer wait lists than other things because they're low priority. So women's health in general is often treated as a low priority. Like there's so much focus on obstetrics, like for funding, for research, for attention in the media. It's like a safe topic, like, ooh, having a baby, high risk OB, like that always gets the attention. Right. But not everybody has a baby. Exactly. And you know, that that is a very important part of life. I, I get it. I have kids. They're very important to me. But our genital organs are there with us from birth all the way until we die, generally, unless they've been taken out. <laughs> right. So they're, they're always there. And as I said, quality of life is so important. You can have vulvovaginal concerns in children throughout your age. Anytime, anywhere, it is not fun to be itchy all the time. I have never met anybody who wants to be itchy all the time, like itch or pain. 
pain if you're sitting, pain if you're having sex. Like these are huge things. The dryness, I said, affects everybody who goes through menopause. So again, not everybody has a baby, but chances are if you have a vulva and vagina, you will have a vulvovaginal health concern in your life and you will want people to be able to help you so that you can have a better time. So important. It is so important. And unless we advocate for ourselves, like women need to stand up and get this stuff in the media. They have to become less embarrassed and they need to, you know, really put their attention towards this, not just in, you know, the fashion magazines and everywhere else. Like we need to keep talking about these things to get the attention, funding, political will, et cetera, focused on women's health. I love it. We've talked a lot about the lack of funding focused in women's health. And there's even funding envelopes that are completely orphaned among women's health. So the fact that you're pointing out that it's really often siloed in some very big areas, but, you know, not necessarily areas that affect everyone. And these kinds of activities around vulva health, vaginal health, sexual health are orphaned, both from a financial point of view and from a training point of view. So, so, so important that we advocate and we really take a look at our whole selves. Vulva, vagina, menopause, pain, sexual function, and incontinence are all very big issues for women, and they're always low priority. Thank you for sharing this time with us. So helpful. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mind the Health Gap. If you'd like to learn more, please check out the other episodes of Mind the Health Gap wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at womenscollegehospitalfoundation.com and stay up to date with us on our social media platforms.